And I'm just telling you, there's something to be said about trusting God. Even in the midst of things you don't understand, you can trust God because God always has timing and it's his timing. Last Sunday when Jennifer spoke, uh, I wasn't in Washington. I was in Roseville and the church that I had given my life to the Lord. I hadn't been there in 15 years plus on a Sunday morning specifically to minister. And so I was there on a Sunday morning ministering. And I got to tell you, a flood of emotions came uh, because I was in the same facility that the night I gave my heart to the Lord. And the next Sunday, my dad gave his heart to the Lord and my mother. And it was just so overwhelming, but it was just a great opportunity to look what the Lord has done about redeeming the time. I say that to say because sometimes we think our life, you know, God can't restore the time. You know, I never left my neighborhood other than to go to jail as an 11-year-old boy. And as an 11-year-old boy being on my own until I was 22, God can redeem what the enemy has stolen. The Bible tells you and I to redeem the time because the days we're living in are evil. If God's telling us to redeem the time, that means it's our responsibility to take authority. When I was in Los Angeles, everywhere you went, you had to pay to park. I mean, everywhere. So we were at this particular place and you had to take the ticket to pay to park. And so they told us when they gave us the ticket, they said, if you buy something in the shops there, they'll redeem your ticket and you won't have to pay to park. Now, it's like $150 to park in Los Angeles. And so I said, Jennifer, I know you and the girls are going to buy something. So when you go there, do not forget, redeem the ticket so we will not have to pay the $187 to park. So the girls were shopping and, you know, I got lost in my own world and my own concept because they were taking a long time to shop. And I didn't follow up to see if she had redeemed the parking ticket, uh, the parking pass. And so she forgot because she was too busy spending my money. And so she was buying stuff. The kids were buying stuff. And so uh, we got back to the car, and I said, did you get the ticket redeemed? And she says, no, we have to go back and get it. Well, I didn't have the merchandise, but, you know, I went gangster up in there, and I said, you've got to redeem this. The girls bought lots of stuff, and I need you to redeem it. And then she says, how do I know that? And I said, would I lie to you? And of course, you know, she took my smiling face and she says, okay, I'll do it for you. And so we redeemed the parking pass because it had, somebody had already paid for it. And that's what it's like in life when you begin to look what God has done. God can redeem because he's already paid for the price of the time that you've lost. He's already paid the price of healing. You can redeem that because he's already paid the price. He's already paid the price for your forgiveness. You can redeem that because it's already been done. It's been paid in full. He can redeem what the enemy has stolen with the lack of love you received at the home, with an upbringing, with the family. God can redeem redeem the time. What does time look like to God? Many people don't have an understanding of the timing of God because we see time as clocks and calendars and not seasons of life. We see time as something like clock, calendar, but God doesn't see it like that. It reminds me of the story of the guy who was praying to God one day and he says, God, what does, what does time look like to you? What is it? What is time to you? And God spoke to the man's heart and said, time to me, son, and your understanding a thousand years is like a second to me. That's how I see time. And so the man went, wow, God, well, what does a million dollars look like to you? He says, my son, a million dollars looks like to me, but a penny to you. And so the young man got his nerve up and he began to pray, he said, God, would you give me a penny? 
And the Lord spoke back and said, give me a second. I think there's something to be said. It means a thousand years it might come. I think there's something to be said about redeeming something that has been lost or redeeming something that needed to be captured back in life. I'm reminded of this story because my life was, was lost as a young man. The enemy had control over me. Remember what the Pharisee said, of, 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 or Jesus said of the Pharisees. He says, you're of your father, the devil. He said, if you were of our father, our heavenly father, you have known that the works that I have come, they've come from him. He says, but you are of your father, the enemy, Diablo. And what he was saying, in effect, he was saying, you don't understand that my father, he's a restorer of things that have been lost and have been broken. He's a restorer of things that have been held captive. They couldn't understand the timing of God and the season of God because they didn't understand who their father was. They had their father aspects on Abraham and the law and the, and the upbringing of the law, keeping all the rules, all the regulations. They couldn't fathom that the carpenter from Calvary would be God's only begotten son because they didn't see it in the right timing. They didn't see it in God's timing. I want you to understand because many times when the timing is not there and things don't go our way, God has a way of redeeming the time if we'll stay in faith and trust him. The Bible says the steps of the good man or woman are ordered of God. I believe so are the stops. But what keeps us from getting in the redeeming of God's time, of our life, our upbringing, our, our mistakes, our, our, our sickness, whatever the case may be that has been stolen from us, because the enemy's a thief. He has come to rob, to kill, and to destroy every person on the planet. So sickness is from the enemy. It's of the devil. Disease, lack, poverty, all those things, they come from the father, Satan, who was a murderer from the beginning. You have have to understand that if you're living today and there's sickness in your body you have to know the source of the father who brought that it was the enemy when you're living with these things that have tried to hold you back and try to steal your joy you have to know the source that has tried to steal that away that's why God says redeem the time say it with me redeem the time the Bible says teach us to number our days I believe the message this morning is make every moment of your life count. But it can't count if you think that the enemy has taken something from you and you'll never get it back. I often thought that way, that the enemy has taken my childhood because of the abuse, because of the pain, because of the insecurity, that I can't get those things back. And then you start having children. You start having a life. You start having the things of God. And you realize quickly, if you have the right perspective, that God can restore what the enemy and the locust and the cankerworm have come to eat. That's what the scriptures say in the Old Testament, that God would restore all the things that have been taken from you. Everything that has come against you, that the enemy has tried to steal away, God says, I'm going to restore it. God's going to restore what you lost in the bankruptcy, sir. God's going to restore what you lost with your husband or wife that's no longer with you. God can restore the waywardness of your children and your grandchildren. God can restore anything that's come against you. God can redeem that time. But you have to take authority and take it back in Jesus' name. You have to do your part. But what happens is we start procrastinating. 
And that's the problem with many Christians today. They start procrastinating the promises of God, the things of God, and they live their life waiting on a move of God when God says, I'm waiting on you to move. I'm waiting on you to move. I'm waiting on you to take authority and take what I've given you. You say, well, that's easier said than done. What we do, though, we procrastinate. Webster's defines procrastination as to put off something intentionally and habitually. The fact is, friends, we do it knowingly and we do it regularly. Now, how many of you in the auditorium this morning are watching by the way of the Internet have a problem with procrastinating? Let me see your hand. Some of you have both hands and a foot up. The rest of you are lying. Now, the procrastination is, is the art of murdering our opportunities. Because time, if we look at it in God's way, it becomes our servant. Time becomes our servant. Time has to do what we command it to do. No one wakes up each day with a different amount of time than you do. Every one of us wake up each day with the same amount of time. At the start of each day, the beginning of the month, and even as we're in the middle of this year. So our goal in life is not to find more time. How many times do you hear, how many times you hear people say, I got to find more time. I got to find more time. I got to find more time. If I had more time. Our goal in life is not to find more time. I believe our goal in life is to use more wisely the time God has given to us. You and I will give an account to God how we used our life and how we spent our time. It's something called our life. I've heard people often say, well, Joey, I just don't have time to do these things. I don't really have time to get involved in this thing and do that thing. I don't really have time to do that. I've got to go in this direction. You've got to remember that is your direction God's direction. Remember when the enemy came to Jesus after his baptism, before any miracle, before any signs or wonders, the enemy tried to attack Jesus in that wilderness. But before that happened, God knew the attack was coming. So he identified his son in the baptism in the Jordan and said, this is my beloved son. He identified him. He had an identity. This was my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Can't you see God coming out of that water, knowing that his father before any miracle, before any works, before any gospel presentation, God was already pleased with him. He was already a beloved son. You have to see yourself like that. You have to see yourself first and foremost before anything can be redeemed. You have to see yourself first as a son as a daughter in whom God is well pleased. So when material things and the cares of life, when they start becoming more important than the will of God for your life, you've got to watch out who's giving you those things because the devil came to Jesus right after God identified him as a son and said, I'm well pleased and said, if you bow down to me, if you forfeit the timing of your father, I'll give you the world. If you will postpone doing what your heavenly father told you to do. What happened? He was trying to activate his timing, the world's timing, and not God's timing. And Jesus said, it is written. It is written. What was he establishing? My identity and my calling is not up to me. It's up to my heavenly father. He tells me what to do, and I do it. But often we, we do not do what God calls us to do because we get so insecure. We get so intimidated. And then we say things like, well, I guess I'll do it when I get ready. But can I tell you, friends, you're never going to get much in life done until you do it before you're ready. 
Are you ever ready to take bold steps for the Lord? Of course not. Many of us shrink back at the very thought of doing something for God. We shrink back at the very thought of taking a bold step in our life. We take this very seriously, and so we always put the spiritual twist on it. Timing wasn't right. Didn't feel led. I'm waiting on the Lord. When really what we're doing is procrastinating, continuing to pray about God's will. When you know God's will is rebellion against God. You can call it procrastination. You can call it what you want. But God calls it rebellion against my sovereign will. Do you ever notice that the, the lazier a person is, the more things they will do tomorrow? It's true. 10% of what we could do tomorrow would be a full day's work today. So there's no such thing as indecision. There's either action or procrastination. And action produces habits. And habits produce accomplishments. And accomplishments determines our destiny. But it all starts with action. Do you know the Bible's an action book? Do you know Christianity is a roll your sleeves kind of faith and it means get busy? And if you take no action in life and if you don't redeem that time as powerful as God is, he cannot help you. Because zero times zero equals what? Now you're getting it. And we say, well, I'm just going to do it when I get ready. You're never going to get nothing done in life until you do it before you're ready. Are you ever ready to, to take bold steps of faith? Are you ever ready for marriage? No. I've been married 19 years, and I've got to tell you, I'm still not ready. I think of it this way, you know, marriage is really, really significant because the two shall become one. And then you go to the honeymoon, and after the honeymoon, you find out which one. <laughs> it's true. And so I'd been on my own since I was 11, and I had no parental upbringing. So, you know, I had a lot of ways of, you know, and I come from a Hispanic background. I, I was raised my latter part of my life in all Hispanic neighborhood and Hispanic upbringing. So, you know, I had some, I had some orderlies going on. You know, I had some issues going on. You know, I had some, I had some pride of life going on. You know, it's my way or the Chicano highway. <laughs> I, was, I was the big boss applesauce. And so I got together with Jennifer, and I'll never forget, you know, the house that I had. I, I had a beautiful house. And remember, you know, Chicano for life, black and chrome and all the things that would make the home happy. Everything in order, and then Jennifer came and made everything plumb. I had to realize really quick that macho does not mean macho. And we had to learn to work together, and I had to learn really, really fast that if mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy. That goes in the home, it comes in the church, trust me. And marriage is kind of like mashed potatoes. If you've ever made mashed potatoes, the first thing you do, you get two big mashed uh, big potatoes, and then you skin them. And then you skin the mashed potatoes because you got to get them ready to go into the bowl. But before you have to skin them with the knife, you skin the, the skin off the potato, you heat up the bowl, you put water in it, it gets boiling hot, then you throw the two potatoes in the bowl, they start boiling and get hot, then you take the little masher thing and whatever that's called, and then you, you hit it, you hit it, you hit it, and then you squeeze it all around. And then all of a sudden, the two potatoes you threw in there now becomes one. Why did I tell you that? I don't know. 
It's hard work. <laughs> but life is like mashed potatoes. Sometimes you're going through life, you take a bold step you're not ready for, and God says, I'm going to heat the temperature up a little bit. See, I'm making it work now religiously. I'm going to heat the measuring pot up. See how I did that? I'm going to heat it up. I'm going to turn the fire of affliction on. I'm going to get all the impurities to come off you, all that little Chicano skin that you thought you were all prideful. I'm going to burn that off of you, and now you're going to have girl after girl girl after girl and you're going to be painting the nail and you're going to be watching princess movies and you're going to be singing along the songs and I'm going to turn you from Chicano for life to a big melting pot. See how I did that? Wasn't that good? When you got it, you got it. But we're never ready for those type of things. We're never ready for children. I had our first daughter. We were so nervous, and we did everything we could. I mean, we got the best blankets, the best little crib. The second one comes, we forgot her at the hospital. It's just like, what happened? You're never ready for the first, and when you start having more and more, you're like, oh, so that little serial killer can watch them. It's fine. But you're never ready for certain big steps in life. You're never ready to become a bold witness for Christ. We're never going to get to the place where we'll feel that we're so secure in Christ that we really becomes a witness for him. We always shrink back. We always get intimidated. We always think, I can't invite people to church, Joey. I know who I am. I know what I've been through. I can't, I can't take that step and pray for my coworker. I can't take that step. And what God is saying to you, redeem the time. Take what was meant to harm you that the enemy tried to take you out and use it to my advantage, says the Lord. And I'll redeem that time in your life and I'll restore what the enemy's tried to destroy. You see, God wants to redeem the time. You're never going to be ready for big steps in life. You're never going to be ready to take a transition at work or take on a new assignment or take on a position at the church or do something for the Lord because we get inferior. We feel like we're insecure. I, I'll never forget when they asked me to pastor the old church and there was about 50 people on a Sunday morning, the entire church. It was not doing very well. and and. And I was so insecure, and I asked my friend Donnie, I said, Donnie, the church called, and they want me to be their pastor. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, boy, they're desperate. <laughs> I thought, yeah, they are desperate. Why would they want a guy who's never been a part of a church before? Why would they even think about me? But they, it wasn't them. It was God. God was preparing me. And I had to take that bold step, to take that step, to take on the assignment of life, to take on what God has called me to do. And you have to take those steps in your life. And as you take one step, you get a little faith in there, and then comes another and another. But you can't listen to the lies of the enemy, the lie of the enemy that says you really won't be happy if you go all in for Christ. But the only way you'll be happy is if you go all in for Christ. Because some of you, you just kind of hit and miss with it. 
you're, you're kind of hit and miss with the things of God. You've got a one foot in and one foot out. It makes you a very unstable person. And the average church member in America comes one out of four Sundays nowadays. And nobody's really committed like they used to be for the most part. And we live in a society that touches everything but commits to nothing. And God says, if you really want to be happy, if you really want to fulfill and redeem what has been stolen from you, go all in. Go all in. Take the step and go all in and no turning back. Don't put your hand to the plow and look back because you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. God says, put your hand there. Don't look back. Keep moving forward. What I've called you to do, if I've called you, I've equipped you, I've anointed you, I've purposed you for a plan, I've got greatness over you, I've got anointing on you, I've got healing for you, I've got restoration for you. Don't put your hand to the plow one more moment and look back. Be everything God's created you to become. But what happens, we make so many mistakes and we say, oh, I can't be happy if I do that. I can't be happy to go all in. And, and, and that makes miserable people. It makes miserable people. It's like my old statement. Some people would be happier as a drunk. At least they'd be joyful on the weekends. than living a life of one in, one out. It's so disruptive and it's so uncomfortable and it's not uncomfortable in God, it's uncomfortable in the flesh because you're living life like a teeter-totter. You're never accomplishing what God wants you to do. And God says, if you want to be happy, it's not your circumstances that are going to bring happiness. What's going to bring you full fulfillment is to surrender everything to me. That's what will bring true happiness. Happiness is not getting what we want. The more we get what we want, the less we want what we got. Happiness is an inside story. It has to begin in us and through us, and then it radiates from us. I've learned after 20 plus years of full-time ministry, if I can go back and tell the young Joey anything, and he had no hair back then, by the way, 20 plus years ago. That's why I looked exactly the same last week in Roseville. They're like, you haven't changed. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's why. Some people, I, I haven't seen them for years. I'm like, you look terrible. <laughs> but one thing I would tell my younger self, if I could go back and tell the young Joey that took the church, the young Joey that traveled, the young Joey that stepped out in faith and was radically saved, I would tell him, trust me more. Trust God more. Don't worry. Trust me more. Believe in the gifting and calling that I put upon you. And trust me more. But the enemy does what he does best. He lies with lids. And he puts the lid of you were raised a certain way, you had certain upbringing, you're only going to accomplish a certain amount of things, and then we unwillingly put people around us who, who have that law of the lid and they don't pop it off for us and they, and they think the same thing and they think we'll never go beyond and we can't get on that. And what God is saying, if you're really going to be successful, if you're really going to be faithful and happy, take that off you and do not let people dictate to you. You dictate to them. Not everybody will like you. That's okay. Some people will like you. Some people will hate you and most people don't give a hoot so it doesn't really matter all you need to do is do what God's called you to do and be everything he's created you to be
And I would tell my younger self, Joey, you need to trust more. Don't worry about the circumstances. Don't let them dictate to you. You dictate to them. And I encourage us today with the love of God and the power of the grace of God, be happy right where you're at. You're not going to be fulfilled moving out of Stockton just because you move out of Stockton. You'll drag your problems right with you to Lodi. And then there's going to be nobody here to help bring the light. So the point I'm making is happiness is not because of circumstances. It can be yours in spite of your circumstances. You can have them in spite of your pain, in spite of the horror that you were raised in, in spite of the disappointment of people leaving you, in spite of those things. You can be happy in spite of all those things, but you have to realize who's on the inside of you and redeem that time. Redeem that time that the enemy's stolen from you. Even if you brought it on yourself through your own bad choices, let the power of the Lord come today and redeem that time that you and the enemy have come in cahoots with that have robbed you and redeem it today in Jesus' name. But you, you can't listen to the lie that your life doesn't affect anybody. Your life is absolutely priceless. Your life matters. People are counting on you. You are somebody's miracle. I want all of you to look at me today. And if you're watching by the way of the internet, understand you are a part of God's great plan. Every person is necessary. Every one of you are necessary. All of us play an intricate role in life at your job, at your work, at your home, where you live, where you shop, where you attend church. It all matters and you matter. And as a result of mattering, you have to realize your life is more than just about you. I loved hearing that story of our sister sharing about God out of the, out of the ashes of loss and discouragement. God begins to bring beauty. And that's important because out of the ashes of life and the pain of life, God can always bring beauty out of it if we'll let him. But you have to realize you matter to God, but you also matter to others. We need you. God needs you. This world, this society, this community, they need you. You matter. You matter to God. I need you in the church. I need you to stop coming every now and again, once a month, twice a month. I need you to make commitments and come. And then I need you to invite people because it's frustrating when you come half the time and you don't invite anybody. So I need you. I need you. We need each other. Iron sharpens iron. I was around some of the greatest ministers of God, Pastor Hagee, Brother Osteen, other men and women of God. And as iron sharpens iron, what happens? It makes my faith rise up. And as you get around the people of God, Jennifer and I, other pastors here, other faith believers, it will sharpen you up to be everything God's called and created you to be. You need to understand your life matters. Your life absolutely counts, but you have to stop with the inconsistency. A person that lives in an inconsistent life is a miserable person. So I encourage you today, don't believe the lie that you can't be happy right here, right now. Redeem that time. Don't believe the lie that your life doesn't really matter and other people are doing other things that are great. You can't go by Instagram. You can't go by old people Facebook. 
You can't go by any other forms of social media. Those are all facades. What you need to go by is the man or woman in the mirror and say, am I living my best life? And if I'm living my best life, come hell or high water, I'll have joy in my heart. And I'll trust the Lord in all ways and I'll acknowledge him and he will direct my path. You receive that word today? Amen. Can we stand together all over the building as we stand and you're watching by the way of the internet? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment as the worship team comes back and we close with the song? Maybe you're here and you've, you need to redeem some areas in your life. Maybe an area that the enemy has stolen, a relationship that has been stolen a health issue that the enemy is trying to steal, your health, a stolen account. In other words, the enemy has ram ramshot over your finances. And always when we talk about the tithe and the offering, you refuse to honor God. Today's a new day. It's time you learn to honor the Lord. And today is your day not to wait any longer. You do not have plenty of time. The Bible says, don't boast about tomorrow. You do not know what another day will bring forth. The Bible says, how will we escape if we neglect such great of a salvation? There's no escaping unless you embrace this great salvation. Salvation, friends, as you're bowing your heads, is not just coming to Christ. Salvation is the panorama of all God's blessing. The healing, the provision, the joy, the identity, the, the peace, all of the wonderful things that God does through salvation. All of that is yours. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to be healed. Today is the day to be whole. Today is the day to be mentally strong and healthy. Today is the day to be raptured in the grace and love of God. Today is the day that you experience the amazing grace of God. Today is the day you let go of all forms of resentment, all forms of bitterness, all forms of regret, all forms of past shame. Today is the day of salvation.